0: We want to see some more healing miracles because the God of miracles is here. Oh, my goodness, he's right here. He's right here in the room because he says he's here in the room. Doesn't he say that? Jesus said when we gather together, oh, here's a disclaimer or a spoiler alert or whatever it is, we're gathered in the name of Jesus. Oh, and when that happens, he says, I'm right here in the midst of you. So he's here. You're here, Jesus. Jesus. Whether we see you, taste you, smell you, hear you, whatever, you're here because you say you're here. And we honor your presence right here in the room. Thank you, Jesus. Because you're here, anything can happen. Yeah. And there's healing that breaks out and joy breaks out and people get loved and addictions flee and all kinds of stuff happens. Um but one of the things that I found uh is that you know you know the the devil's a liar. did you know that? Yeah. Jesus said he's a liar, and he's the father of lies, and it just makes up lies um that's why we don't like talking to demons because they lie, you know so why would you want to <laughs> try to get information from a demon? Just tell that thing to go. <laughs> but um, unfortunately even we in the church have agreed with lies and one of the things I I want to talk about tonight is um, we want to empty the trash you want to just clear out the trash about lies that we've all believed about healing because what I've found as I travel is that that the body of Christ has just accepted a wide variety of lies about healing and so it's time to get rid of those. And, and actually, um, before we start looking at these lies and taking out that trash, I just want to share a vision that I had during worship. And it's for everybody in this room, no matter whether you're part of this church or from somewhere, somewhere else. But I saw this seed, and I used to be a farmer, and you know, it says in the word that you know, the, the seed um, grows roots downward to bear fruit upward remember that verse? Okay, so is that in Isaiah? That's that's what I thought, but maybe not, I don't know. I can't remember. But anyway, um I, being a farmer, you know, when you watch a seed germinate, uh it's in the ground and hidden but roots start to come out and they go deep into the soil and and before ever a sprout comes up the roots get established in the ground and then it this the seed just kind of bends over and begins to pop up and the little shell comes off and it comes up and starts making leaves and then branches and then you know flowers and fruit and everything and what i saw was that you know many people in here and and, and maybe just the the belief system and the and what's happening in the body of Christ here, is is a seed that is germinated and its roots are down deep, and you're not seeing the fruit yet and wondering where's the fruit. You know why aren't we seeing more healing? Why aren't we seeing more miracles? But see the roots are established, and that that you know that little seed's is just starting to pop up through the ground, and 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 this is you see, I just. See sense, the, the timing that this is the time uh, that that's going to begin to grow to, to bear branches, flowers, fruit, and you're going to see more fruitfulness, it. and it, it, it happens quick once it starts coming up out of the ground. At the time of not seeing it can be frustrating. You know, Where is this? But your roots have gone deep. Just say, our roots have gone deep. <laughs> Whoo! Yes into him, you know, into the soil of him, into his heart. And you know, all of the promise and the hope is bursting forth out of the ground. And just watch and see, things are going to be changing quickly. And you're going to see more of the, just the fulfillment of his promises than you've ever seen. I sense that there are some people who've had promises and prophetic words for a long time, And you're going, you know, where is it? But what he's been doing is letting your roots get established so that you can carry the weight of that prophecy and that prophetic word and that promise. Because, you know, otherwise, you know, you shoot way up and then you fall over because of the weightiness of it. But he's building something on the inside. You know, because what I found is, as he expands our field of influence... That the inner world has to become greater than the outward platform, or we crash and burn. Many people want, you know, I want the big pulpit, I want the, you know, 10,000 people, I want the, you know, the mighty ministry and all of this. But if the inner person isn't growing faster than the outer platform, that's why people crash and burn. And so he's doing a work that's causing you to be the person that can be that prophetic promise when that time comes some people have felt hidden you know like nobody notices my gifting my ministry my the prophecies over me you know nobody sees them yet <laughs> no. but hiddenness is a sacred thing it's that germinated seed that's bearing roots because he's working on the hidden person so that you will be something this is, sounds unkind, but something worth displaying to the world when he displays you. You know, he wants you to be the promise of God, the living word of God when you're displayed before the world, not just to be a flash and, you know, something that looks good and You know, a one-hit wonder. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) we've had too many of those in the church. (laughs) No, he's appointed us for longevity. And people have asked me, because I just turned 74 years old, and, you know, that's a lot of years. I mean, maybe some of you are way more than that, but... um, you know, young people always ask me, you know, how do you keep the fire in all those years? And it's so easy, just never lose the wonder. Yeah, because he's, you know, he doesn't change, and yet everything changes. And it's always in awe and wonder. And so if you walk with him in awe and wonder, you stay supple and you stay childlike. And even childish sometimes. <laughs> 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 ha! <laughs> uh, <laughs> phew, maybe mischievous sometimes. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> and so, yeah, I'm going to share, I think these are nine basic lies that most everybody believes about healing at some point. Uh, and, you know, We're just going to dump in the trash and empty it. Or like on the computer, you put it in the trash and then you empty trash. And my computer makes all these cool noises if you've got the sound on. I love it. Bye-bye. And you can't get it back. Ah. Okay, so the first one, you know, people... People wonder all the time, you know, does God want to heal me? He's able. I'm sure He's able. You know, He could do anything, but does He want to heal me? Ever wondered? You know, the guy asked, the the leper said, you know, if you're willing, you can make me whole, make me clean. What did Jesus say? I am willing. You know that—that's like a name. You know, he's the I am. When Moses said, "Who am I going to tell Pharaoh sent me?" I mean, you know, God's so cheeky. He says, "You know, tell him I am sent you." Moses goes, "I, I don't know how that's going to translate." <laughs> oh, his name is I am. <laughs> Uh But, But you know what happened when Jesus said, I am? Remember when the soldiers came to get him in the garden? You know, Roman soldiers, big, heavy, fighting people, powerful, most powerful nation on earth, come in armor to take him. And they said, are you Jesus of Nazareth? And he goes, I am. And they all fell over. <laughs> I love that story. I want to see the reruns of it. It's so cool. And so, you know, and so they all kind of, they, they realize that they look ridiculous. <laughs> and this is just this Jewish guy. They're soldiers. And so they get back up, and they ask the question again. But I'm sure they're braced. But he's really kind. <laughs> you know, because they couldn't take him. He gave himself for us. Nobody took him. And so he didn't say I am. He was real kind. He goes, you know, yep. (laughs) This is some derivative of it. But see, he's the great I am, speaking I am. And the greatest force in, in that known world then couldn't stand against it. And when he says I am willing, he's saying, he's not just saying, yeah, no problem. We can do that. He's saying, no, no, no. This is who I am. This is why I came. This is the purpose I'm here. This is why I came. This is my goal for you. I'm right here for this. This is my purpose. And that's what he said to that guy. And then he said, be clean. And the guy was healed. And so, you know, we can look at experience or we can look at Jesus. I mean, we can always do that. We can look at what's happening in the world, or we can look at Jesus. We can look at what the world says, or we can listen to what Jesus says. And when we look at what he says, he says he's willing. He's willing. Just say, you're willing. Yeah, see, he's willing to heal us. That's why he came. He came to destroy the works of the devil. Okay, and so if you have any condition, you know, a pain, a sickness, or whatever, that is robbing you of your freedom, your well being, your joy, that is, um, you know, destroying your ability to, you know, be be fruitful in any way, Jesus said, that's what the enemy comes to do steal, kill, and destroy. But when he's doing that, he says, I'm here. I've come to give you life and life more abundantly. And so he's willing. He's willing to change the dialogue, change the story. Yeah, that's what he, and and so we just want to throw out that lie that he's maybe not willing to heal me. And maybe he doesn't want to heal me. Yeah, let's just put that in the trash right now. Hit. <laughs> Bye-bye. Yep, he's willing. Okay, number two. We want to pl- replace his lies with truth. And so we wonder, you know, is it God's plan? Is it for everybody? You know, does he really want, is it, you know, is it the will of the Father to heal everybody? Okay, was Jesus the will of the Father for the world? Yeah, yeah. he said, I didn't come to do my own will. I came to do the will of my Father who sent me. I am living out the will of the Father. And did he heal everybody who came to him? Yeah, he healed everybody. He healed all who came to him. He healed everybody he went to. He healed everybody that touched him, touched the hem of his garment, everybody he touched. Everybody got healed. Some people will say, well... When he went to Nazareth, he couldn't heal anybody because they didn't believe. But that's not what it says. It says when he went there, he could do no mighty works there. Because they, they said, who are you? Carpenter's son? He wanted to do some mighty works. But then it says, except that he healed a few sick people that were there. Their unbelief didn't stop him from healing some sick people. But he wanted to take him on a journey. He wanted to bring him into the kingdom of heaven. He wanted to do some mighty works that transformed their culture, their life, their everything. And they, they just looked at him and went, who are you? Um, God the Son, creator of the universe, by the way. <laughs> just saying. <laughs> but they wouldn't agree with him. Yeah, so he is the will of the Father. Um, it says that God loved the world so much that he gave us his only begotten son that whoever would believe in him would not perish. Okay, God's the father's plan is no perishing. No perishing allowed. No perishing in poverty and joblessness and relational dysfunction in sickness in death in eternity and no perishing at any level. He's not the God who's planning your perishing. Aren't you glad? (laughs) In in Peter, it says he desires that none should perish, but all should come to repentance. What's repentance? Repentance is I'm, I'm running away from God, and I go, whoa, 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 what am I doing? I am perishing out here. Oh, no perishing? Yes, I'm going to change and run into you, God. And we all have a choice. I was just um, counseling with a a pastor who's, um, they went through a traumatic experience, he and his wife. It was a horrible experience. And his wife ran away from God and rejected the church. And he ran into God and embraced the church. And he's living a full life and she's living a bitter life. Same experience, but we have choices. Don't run away from God. He's your help. He's your ever-present help in time of trouble. He's your hope, your encouragement. He's your lifeline. And, and, you know, when people say to me, I'm so offended at God, I go, whoa, don't do that. Wait a minute, steal, kill, destroy? Get offended at the right guy. That's the guy to be offended at. And run into God and take courage. Encouragement means that my heart is made strong. The, the word French word cour is the heart, care. You know, he's going to put courage into your heart. He's going to empower your heart to get through whatever trial. Okay, And so there's no perishing. It's God's plan. He gave his son just for that. When the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, he's there to give us life. And life more abundantly he came to destroy the works of the devil it's God's plan for you to experience wholeness healing health salvation deliverance freedom all of those things Jesus came to bring and that's God's plan for you and the parts of you that haven't gotten it yet that's not God's plan that's that other guy so start getting mad at him and experience the encouragement of God. Okay, so that's that's that second lie that, yep, it's, he doesn't want it for me. It's not for everybody. <laughs> Let's dump it in the trash. <laughs> Maybe in the toilet. <laughs> oh. Yep. So the third one, this is a very common one. You know, do I have enough faith to believe for God's healing for me? You know, it hasn't happened, so I must not have enough faith. How much faith does it take? Shoot. And what's a mustard seed, that's a tiny little bit. And I've seen God when, when people have said, I don't have any faith, I said, Psh, no problem, I do. I'm going to pray for you. And even when I don't have enough faith, and I shared this this morning, it says, I've been crucified with Christ, and nevertheless I live. And yet, not just I living, but Christ lives in me. Whoa! And the life that I now live together with him in this body, yep, I have a treasure in this earthen vessel the excellencies of the powers of God, not of me. So the life that I I now live together with him in this this body, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So when I come to some situation where it's like, whoa, this is overwhelming, I don't know if I can believe for that, I go, I'm going to pull on the faith of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's got enough faith for all of us. It says, "If we believe not, He abides faithful because He can't deny Himself. Faithful and true is His name; it's who He is." And so, when if you don't have enough faith, I'll have faith. If I don't have enough faith, Jesus has enough faith, and I'm pulling on His faith because He's right here. Okay. So, the argument that I don't have enough faith—you know—usually it, it the whole thing is building us up to the fact that. I have to have the faith of Smith Wigglesworth and I don't have it. No, you just have to have the faith of Jesus Christ and you already have it. So, enough faith. <laughs> we were doing um, healing rooms. We do healing rooms online as well as in person. And one time, you know, we're on the Zoom screen and there's, you know, like 50 little squares with people on them on the Zoom screen. And whenever there's somebody lying down on the Zoom screen, you figure, OK, something's happening there. They, they must need prayer. And so we asked this lady, you're lying down. And her name was Barbara. And we said, well, you know, you're lying down. What's up? And she said, well, um, I had a, a hysterectomy, and then I prolapsed and was, and have been bleeding ever since. I, the doctors can't stop the bleeding, and so I have to lie flat. I'm in pain all the time, and if I get up, I'll start bleeding and you know, be in really a lot of pain, and it's, it's super dangerous, so I have to lie down, and I'm in pain. And so you know, we said, okay, well, we're going to pray for you. And we did a teaching, and in the teaching, we teach that, um, you know, about the lie that I don't have enough faith. And we and we say you know the fact that you showed up that you're just here that's that's enough faith. That's all the faith you need. And for all of the people in here you you came here that's all the faith you need. That's enough faith. And you know and, and all of a sudden as we're talking we see Barbara get up and start running around her room. And we go, "Wait, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> Hello Barbara, what's happening?" She goes, Well, I was lying here, and so I just said to Jesus, Jesus, I'm just here. She said, my room filled with the presence of God, and I heard the voice of Jesus say, Barbara, I'm just here. And then she said, he took me by the hands and lifted me up, and all the bleeding and pain stopped instantly, and I ran around. Nobody prayed for Barbara. Barbara. She got a revelation that she was just there and that was enough faith. Oh, how good is that? Oh. (laughs) Yeah. You know, yeah. Too often in the church, we're trying to build up my faith. But my faith is just in the faithful one. It's just in his faithfulness. And, and I had a revelation one time as we were praying for somebody who had, you know, severe cancer, was dying of cancer. And we all got around and started praying. And then I suddenly saw us lift up these shields and, you know, turn our back to the woman in the middle. And we all held these giant shields of faith and locked them like a shield wall all around her. And it says, you know, we lift up the shield of faith that extinguishes the fiery darts of the enemy. So we're cutting off the fiery darts of the enemy from her that are trying to kill her. And then I saw these shields that we were all holding and I saw that the shields, like in ancient times, they they would either engrave or paint or etch or, you know, depending on what kind of shield it was, they would put their victories in battle on their shields. And suddenly I realized that my shield of faith isn't my faith. It's every testimony of God's faithfulness in my life. And that when all of us surrounded her with all the faithfulness of God in our lives, the enemy fled. Every fiery dart was extinguished. And she got filled with the presence of God. You know, and so our faith is in his faithfulness. It's the testimony of his faithfulness. God, you're faithful and true. And, and that's why so many times when somebody tells me a story of, you know, like um, four-stage liver cancer, every time I hear that, I go, yes, you know, which doesn't, I mean, I'm not celebrating that they have it, but I have seen so many cases of it healed from, you know, taking four days of prayer and seeing it healed to, you know, 20 minutes to instant healing, just, boom, whoa, all of a sudden gone, Whoa. Um, you know, just big distended liver, just going whoop and shrinking right up, right underneath our hands. I mean, and so when somebody tells me, that, I go, "Oh yes, let's see what God will do." You know, and so you can steal all my testimonies and get excited next time you pray. <laughs> okay, so but number four. You know, what do I have to do? I'm not good enough. I brought this on myself. Anybody ever th- done something stupid and got hurt? <laughs> Does that mean, oh, God's not going to heal you. You were stupid. Hey, we're all stupid. <laughs> Praise God. You, you know, my son, is a, um, he's an extreme sports guy, and he used to, uh, we lived in a ski resort, and um, where they had ski PE every afternoon, they went out, out of the school at two o'clock and spent two hours on the slopes. I mean, rough life for kids. Um, but he, you know, he would he would, you know, do the ski park and the snowboard park, and he'd launch off cliffs and do flips and all this stuff. And then he'd call and go, Dad, Dad, I need you to pray for me. And and he he wasn't even following Jesus at that moment in his life, but he knew what happened when mom and dad prayed. And so he said, Dad, Dad, I, I, I wrenched my knee. I went, I bet you did, Jesse. <laughs> he goes, yeah, I need you to pray. And we pray, and you go, oh, it's all better. And psh, he'd run off. <laughs> <laughs> it's not that we've been smart and intelligent all our lives that we get healed. It's because we need healing. This is your criterion for being healed is you need to be healed. <laughs> and he's the healer, and so it's you know it's not because you were smart. It's you know it's a gift. You know there's always a lie to get us to work for something that was already freely given. Yeah. it it says um, you know we're saved by grace through faith. Not this not of ourselves. It's a gift of God. The grace is a faith. The healing grace is a gift, and the faith is a gift. They're both a gift from God. Faith comes by hearing. We hear the truth of His Word, His Word spoken to us, Him saying, Barbara, I'm just here. You know, we just hear his, His voice, and faith comes and fills us. It's a gift. Say it's a gift. Yeah. It's not what I do, it's not me earning it. Healing is a gift. Okay, and so we feel like we have to do something. We have to do it. We've got to get it right. Um, and sometimes the church has laid that on us. I said that this morning. You know, where we say, "Well, it must be sin in your life. You probably have unforgiveness. Maybe you've but there's generational curses in your family line." You know, when we say that kind of stuff, we set people up that if they jump through all the hoops, they'll get healed. Say it's a gift. <laughs> it's not by works lest any man should boast, for we're his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, that God has prepared for us to walk in. And so, you know, it's all a gift, and it doesn't matter whether you did something stupid or whether you were really, you know, maybe you were taking the best care of your body and you got sick, and that's just wrong. Why, how did this happen? I was doing the right thing. Hey, the healing's a gift no matter how the sickness comes, There's somebody who's coming to steal, kill, and destroy. But there's somebody who's bringing life and life more abundantly. Wherever that guy is doing steal, kill, destroy, there's Jesus bringing life and life more abundantly. And you have a choice which to partner with. Which are you going to put all your energy in? Which will you be impressed by? People will bring me a long list of all their ailments and want me to be impressed. I'm not impressed with what the devil's doing. I'm so impressed with Jesus, Shoot. Okay, so, number five. Are they, you ever heard of any of these lies? You ever thought? Any, any of those ever come up in your life? <laughs> number five. Is healing for today, does God still heal? Just because you haven't seen it, you think, is God still healing today? Well, in Hebrews it says he's the same Yesterday, today, and forever. He never said, oh, I'm going to heal people my whole 33 year, the last three years of my 33-year life. I'm going to heal everybody, and then it's all over. Sorry. He said, these signs shall follow those who believe. They'll lay hands on the sick, and they'll recover. Okay? He said to his disciples... He said, declare the good news, the kingdom's here. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, and cast out demons. He said that to his disciples. Didn't he say that? Then in Matthew chapter 28, when he's getting ready to go back to heaven, he said, oh, I've been given a little bit of authority on heaven and on earth. No, what did he say? How much authority? (laughs) All authority in heaven and on earth is mine. How much authority does the other guy have then? Zero. (laughs) So we want to side with the one who has all the authority. And with all the authority, then he deputizes us. You know, he delegates authority to us and he says, Now go, make disciples of all the nations. Okay, how many of you here are from a nation? Raise your hand. Okay? They must have done it. They must have, they made made disciples who 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 made you. Right? So it's still going 2,000 years later. Even though we see all through history, we see the church you know, exploding in you know, wonder and power and then shrinking down. But in every generation, if you, if you read history, if you read revival history, if you read uh, you know, if, uh, the stories of miracles, you see in every generation there were people who rose up and said, oh, God. But you're real. I want to know you. I want to know the truth. And sometimes it was whole waves of revival through the church. Sometimes it was, you know, those desert fathers out in the the desert going, no, all I want is you. I don't want that stuff, that worldly stuff. I just want you. But in every generation, somebody pressed into him and said, I've just got to have what you paid for, Jesus. That's what Paul said. I, I... Press in to lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus laid hold of me. He laid hold of me for the whole kingdom, for all the promises of God. So I want to go after all the promises of God because he, it's a gift from him. And so, um, you know, is it for today? Yes, it's for today. It's for every day. And it isn't a new thing in the church just because it's new to maybe the church you went to. That people get healed, you know, get a broader perspective. We <laughs> I, I was preaching in a cessationist place. Cessationism means that they believe that all everything ended with the apostles, nothing happens anymore, in the Holy Spirit. Except that the hungry ones there are going, No, there's more, there's gotta be more. So so we do this thing every year. It's really fun. We um we would take a group of 10 university students, 10 boys from a cessationist university, and took them on a 52-foot sailing yacht in the Caribbean for 10 days and taught them signs, wonders, and miracles. (laughs) It's one of my fun ministries. It's a ministry trip. <laughs> it's one of those sacrificial ministry trips. <laughs> oh, but some of these boys saw miracles, saw healing, saw deliverance, saw all kinds of things for the first time in their life. They went back changed. You know, and some of the community that, you know, they got changed, when they went back changed, rejected them, and some embraced them, and it, you know, created shockwaves throughout that area. I loved it. Ah. (laughs) (laughs) they said it was heresy (laughs) I said yes I speak it fluently (laughs) 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 okay number six I got to pay attention because we want to see miracles tonight so I want to finish this okay number six you know is my timing now? Maybe it's not my timing. Maybe it's later. You know, and, and sometimes people have, Christians have said that. Well, maybe it's not your timing. <laughs> Hello? Yeah. What does it say in the word? Today is the day of salvation. Today, the word for salvation, that word so-so, it means saved, healed, and delivered. Yeah. The whole package. Today is the day. The words near you, it's even in your mind, it's in your heart, it's in your mouth, it's everywhere. Yep, today is the day of salvation. Yep. Oh, Jesus. Number seven. Here's one. Well, I've been prayed for before. Hundreds of times. I've had people come up to me and say, Benny Hinn prayed for me. (laughs) You want to give it a shot? I I don't do intimidation or manipulation, so I just start laughing. (laughs) One lady said, Benny Ian, pray for me. Bill Johnson, pray for me. Randy Clark, pray for me. You want to give it a shot? I went, I'll I'll pray for you if you'll do me a favor. She goes, What? I said, "I, I just want you to walk around in a circle in an anti clockwise manner. (laughs) and just do that so she's doing this feeling really stupid not knowing why she's doing this she's losing intellectual control of her situation (laughs) of her argument I said we're just turning time back we're going back to before you ever got prayed for before you ever got discouraged before you ever lost hope we're going all the way back until you come back to the place where you lost your hope and right now we're going to restore hope. We're going to take off hopelessness. I, I just felt hope coming in the room right just when he said that. Whoa. Okay, there's some, if, if once you stand up, if you've been discouraged because you've been prayed for so many times and it's been discouraging and you kind of have felt a little bit hopeless about that, go ahead and be brave because you're going to get free. So, ha. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Yep. Yeah, it happens. It sucks. I mean, that's not a nice Christian word, but it sucks, the, it sucks the joy out of you. It sucks the life out of you, that hopelessness. So we're going to just pretend that hopelessness is this really heavy, big winter overcoat. And I'm going to ask you just to take it off and throw it down to the ground because that winter overcoat wasn't designed for you. Yeah, just get rid of that hopelessness. And right now we're, gonna, we're going to release hope into you. I want you to take a deep breath of hope. Now me speaking hope over you isn't a platitude. It's not a nice, just a nice thing. It's the currency of heaven. <gasps> yep. And that hope is coming in and taking up residence in your heart. Yep. Just, yeah. Just breathe in. Embrace that hope. A living hope is coming in. And there's hope again. There's hope for you. Has hope for you. We're, we're renewing our minds to the truth of his word. We're not letting our experience come above the word of God. And we're not bringing the word of God down to the level of our experience. We're saying, hey, my experience is this. This is a fact. I became hopeless because I didn't see healing. But your word is the truth. You're the God who heals me. And so I'm going to leave the standard of your word up here and I'm going to begin to re- declare truth, believe truth, read the truth until all my experiences come up to the level of your word. And so I just declare a new hope, a living hope, a hope yeah, that burns, that burns with wildfire through your life, through all, all the the caverns of your soul through all the places of your inner being, a new hope coming in, changing, cleansing, and transforming everything. A living hope. Yeah, just just embrace and breathe in that living hope. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, bye-bye hopelessness. Discouragement left with hopelessness. Yeah, bye-bye. You can be seated if you want to. Okay. Oh, my goodness. I'm getting a little bit dizzy up here. Here's another one. People will say, "Um, I think God's using this sickness to teach you a lesson. (laughs) That's a bad one. Hey, Is God so good that he can work everything together for good for you who love him? Yeah, he is so good, but he doesn't set up the thing to teach you a lesson. He's just so good that he can bring you out of it. But we want to remember, if it's steal, kill, destroy, it came from the other guy, not from God. If it's life and life more abundantly, it's from Jesus. And just remember who authored each one and stop assigning Steal, kill, destroy to Jesus. You know, I I hate it when they, you know, a hurricane rips through and they said it was an act of God. (laughs) You know, and and then people say, Well, the old testament. Aren't you glad you're in a better covenant? (laughs) Hallelujah. (laughs) We can eat bacon. (laughs) the ground doesn't open up and eat us when we rebel hallelujah (laughs) what about Job (laughs) hey Job is the question Jesus is the answer Yeah, we're not building our theology on the old covenant. The old covenant is a covenant of judgment and justice because everything that's against the justice of God is sin, and every bit of sin deserves death. And it's our schoolmaster to lead us to Christ. And I'm glad I didn't live under the old covenant. But Jesus came and took all the punishment I deserved he took everything upon himself, all the death I deserve, all the judgment I deserve, and he set me free. Oh, Jesus, thank you so much for setting us free. Whoa. Okay, so is God using it to correct me, perfect me? He says, you've been pruned by my word, and he says, you know, my father's the, the, the vine dresser, you know, I'm the vine, my father's the vine dresser. He cuts off all the branches that aren't bearing fruit. And he says, you're already clean by the word that I've spoken to you. He wants us to use the word for pruning. Now, I mean, we can create horrible events in our own life by our stupid choices. But God's not sitting there going, oh, bad choice. I'm going to smash you. He doesn't do that. He took the smashing already for us, which is amazing. He's a good father, and we're his children. Okay, the the ninth one is, and many people feel this after long-term sickness, that this sickness is my identity. You know, I know people who've been in wheelchairs or, you know, people with, you know, great pain or, uh, you know, other disabilities and handicaps feel like that's their identity. But that's not your identity. That's a condition. Your identity is a beloved son or daughter of God. And we've got to stop letting our condition be our identity, whether it's poverty or riches, whether it's you know, good looks or, or bad looks, <laughs> whether it's skinny or plump, whether you know, whatever it is, whether it's black or white or yellow or red. All those things are not our identity. They're characteristics, they're conditions. But my identity is a son or daughter of the living God and sometimes our conditions feel like our identity because they're so woven into it but that's not who I am and we want to stop calling people like he's the autistic boy no, he's a boy who has autism no, he's the guy in the wheelchair he's the wheelchair guy no, he's a man He's riding in the wheelchair today, but we don't know for how long. (laughs) Uh, The sickness is not my identity. My identity is in Christ. We had a really neat um, experience in South Africa where this woman, um, she, she had osteoporosis severely and her bones were very fragile. And she'd broken her foot four times four places on her foot and the doctors ordered her you are never to walk on that foot (laughs) and she's in a wheelchair and we're talking about healing and i'm standing in front of her and i I go um you know do you want to be healed and she said well are, are you saying i should get up and walk i said no that's up to you do you want to and this light came across her face because she'd been under this order that you can never walk. And all, and you could see it. She said, she didn't even say the words, but she wanted to walk. And so she, she's looking and I said, and and she stood up, but she's not putting a lot of weight on that foot. She's standing up. And so I got two of my young men to get on either side of her to help her walk and she's holding on to them and she's beginning to walk and she begins to put weight on that foot that she can't put weight on <laughs> and all of a sudden there's no pain and she and all of a sudden she just starts to cry and lifts her hands to Jesus and just praises God and I ask her you know you're experiencing pain she said there's no pain and she said, I, I'm not allowed to do this, you know. <laughs> and so she walks, and then, you know, I mean, she's, she's free. And, you know, I said, well, you know, you want to go back and sit down? And so she turns around, and the guys try to help her, and she pushes them away. <laughs> and she walks back to her wheelchair. We've got this all on video. She starts to sit down, and then she goes, No. And she goes over and sits in a regular seat because that is no longer my identity. Oh, it was so good. I just wept. We got the video. Every time I look at the video, I just go, ah, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. So I just want to share one one more testimony and then we want to see God do his miracle work. (laughs) Because he's so good at it. <laughs> it's what he does. So um, we had a man who came in and he had, he had four-stage cancer. And he, you know, he had all of these problems and reasons. You know, God wasn't healing him and why you couldn't. You know, he probably believed every one of these lies. And, and we had a team praying for him. And a young gal, she's a, a student at BSSM. She was a first-year student. She said, I just see a vision of you right now. And so he's interested. He wants to know what the vision is. People always want to know, tell me that movie that I'm the star of. (laughs) And so she says, well, I see you. I see you right here in the throne room before Jesus. And Jesus is way back on the throne. And you're way up here. And you start to walk towards him. And as you start to walk towards him, your butt gets bigger and bigger. (laughs) And you get closer and closer, and your butt's getting bigger and bigger. It's getting huge, and you're standing right before the throne, and your butt is enormous. And she said, and Jesus reaches over and says, there are no butts to healing. (laughs) Ha! (laughs) We can come up with all these arguments of the things that we believed or things we have not seen, But it's time to let go of the things we've not seen and go, but your word says. You know, we prayed. We prayed for her, and she's a good woman, and she died. Hey, I'm sorry, and we'll grieve with those who grieve. But God's word says. I'm never going to bring God's word down to the experiences that I've had. Sure. Jesus, oh, Jesus, thank you for your presence here in the room, thank you, thank you.